We're back for the next episode of the CSO podcast. I'm Gretchen LaRoche. I'm here with Benjamin Norley, Chief Conductor of the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra, and a very special guest, concertmaster and violinist extraordinaire, Martin Risley. Happy New Year, Gretchen. Yes, Happy New Year. And listeners. (laughs) I know, well, we we got away with it last year, so let's let's build on our listenership further and keep going. My mum loves this podcast. She absolutely (laughs) loves it, listens to it religiously. And I think we're just building legions of fans in, in um, cyberspace. <laughs> oh, no, without a doubt, yeah. Because my mum's been listening as well. Critiquing too. Like only so. mothers listen to this podcast. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> my dad. I'll get my dad to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Add the family the members. Exclusive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as, as um, you know, Per, we've been doing the last little wee while. We've got our little format. So um, I thought we should start with our news news of the music world. So um, do you guys have anything you want to want to um, talk about happening in the world? Oh, news of the music world. What would I say? From my point of view in Australia, I've noticed that the orchestras are starting the year earlier and earlier. Um, I don't know if that's a phenomenon that's just unique to 2018, but... Normally, January traditionally has been a quiet month in the Southern Hemisphere for orchestras. I went back to work on the 8th of January, which I think for most people is just normal. But it was a bit of a shock to the system for me. And uh, so that was my my, uh, feeling was that the orchestras are all starting much earlier and cramming the year full of um, concerts Mm. and engagements. Yeah, and so is it going longer as well at the other end? I think it's, yeah, it's going right up until Christmas. And uh, the the, the days of a big break are, are now well and truly gone, oh, <laughs> which, is, which is good. It's good to be working. It's good for the orchestras to be busy. Oh, I was going to say that I felt terrible because we started earlier this year here at the CSO, <laughs> but that was the first week in February. So yeah, that's uh, right. You know, Slightly different. I promise I will try and keep January clear. It's <laughs> all about you, Martin. Oh, yeah. I think if there was a way to expand the year, a lot of... Um, Organisations would want to make it a longer than 365. Yeah, days. we need a 13 month <laughs> year. Yeah, that's what we get should be longing for. Yeah, because I was I was reminded in, in America when I first moved there that American football season used to be 16 weeks long of games, and then they found a way. Oh, if they have enough bye weeks, they can stretch it to 18 and now 20 weeks. Yeah, just as longer. You know? oh. <laughs> and, it's, and, and the orchestra that I was in, our season would get longer as well. And I think it's it's yeah. Once we hit the 12 month limit, what are we going to do? Yeah, well, we'll have to slow down the rotation of the earth. The, the laws of the physics sun. are going to have to be altered. We'll have to keep working on that. <laughs> it's another way to raise salaries, you know, <laughs> to keep up with the cost of living. I was, That's right. Yeah. I was going to say, you're making my pants get sweaty to imagine thinking I've got to find salaries for 13 months. Oh, I'm going to say. All right, well, um, uh, I'll just add in on that and say, and the orchestra's just played um, the annual Sparks concert outdoor. This has been going for 35 consecutive years in Christchurch. It's one of the longest running events of its type in New Zealand. It's fantastic. And what's more, it attracted the biggest crowd, they say, that they've had. And I just think this is a great thing for um, orchestral music and I think it bodes really well. Apparently the survey said that actually uh, the orchestra was the number one reason why people came. It wasn't the uh, uh, consecutive night noodle market that was running, it was actually the orchestra. So I reckon, hey, this has got to be a good thing. Isn't that fantastic? Outdoor concerts for big audiences at the beginning of a a year. It's a really good way for the orchestra to start the year and also just to reach out into the city, into the the whole uh, community and build 
that that following I think it's such a great thing oh it's I mean you know honestly as a platform for the orchestra it's fantastic and just the buzz of sitting on that stage and sharing music with all of those sort of you know thousands and thousands of people I think they they say between 60 and 70 thousand people were there just all having a good time and really um you know soaking up great music so it's pretty exciting well, I guess um, you know we should get into sort of the body of, of our of our, um, our podcast today, and, and I thought, well, since we've got Martin in the room, this might be a really interesting one to actually unpack that uh, relationship of well, concertmaster world, but also that connection between concertmaster and chief conductor. Um, so I thought I'll start off. Here's my starter for ten, um, <laughs> uh, Martin. This one's to you. Um, Great. What is a concertmaster? <laughs> And what is what it is that it? you do? Yeah, I mean, what is it? What are some of those distinct things that you do? Um, yeah, it's all just really tuning the orchestra, isn't it? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I need that's, that's the left hand. It's sort of yeah. it's like the old uh, um, the chancellor of the university used to have a different job in the 16th century, and it sort of changed as, as time goes on, and becomes a vice chancellor runs it. Uh, I think with the concertmaster job, it used to be one and the same of of running the group right somebody has to organize keep everything together and make decisions and the leader yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then and then things got a little complicated and luli started stamping his mm. <laughs> stamping the orchestra too big too big and unwieldy um but there's still there's still some orchestras out there that 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 do it without conductor it just takes a lot more time you need you know really good players and commitment the Orpheus, i heard a great recording the other day of orpheus playing um the uh, Prokofiev Classical Symphony, which we're about to do later in the year without conductor, and I've done that before without conductor, and it's it's really hard, but it can be done. Mm. But um, what does a conductor add? Is is add so much that that <laughs> that as as the centuries have gone on and the composers have been able to do more and more things because of the conductor there, that's enabled um, um, just an endless amount of uh, variety and work that can be done. It, 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 it's hard also to, to play and listen at the same time. Mm. So if yeah. I'm playing and, and I'm lead, trying to lead a group without a conductor, I'm also trying to play in tune and play together and I can't hear necessarily as well as everything that's going on as somebody who's just focused on that and has not, not got a violin under their ear or something. So, so the, there is the, the, the ancient roots of the job are in that, but, but now it is more of a liaison between mostly the strings, right? Um, but the concertmaster is also supposed to be listening to the winds and the, the horns and the brass and the percussion and, you know, just trying to... Um, be an internal reference point. Um, in the sub orchestras, it's about how they interpret the beat. So, and you'll see, you'll see one orchestra, and the conductor will make a beat, and then you wait half a second, and then there'll be a note. <laughs> and other orchestras will be immediate, and then somewhere in between. And that sort of stuff falls falls into that that leadership role in, in the strings. And um, there's a bit of a chain, yeah. isn't there? Of uh, it's definitely a partnership between the concertmaster and the conductor, the, the one thing I've noticed, but also the, the concertmaster is the chief interpreter of the conductor's gesture, and then the concertmaster is the person who really begins the sound, yep. the, the impulse for the sound and the orchestra. Well, I guess they're playing with the conductor, but really they're playing with the concertmaster. Yep. Yep. And so uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. It's, it's very much a collaborative leadership relationship, that those two yeah. um, positions. I was interested in that, actually. 
actually, yeah. Do, so do you have sort of a different working relationship with Martin than you say would, or with your concert master than you would with other musicians in the orchestra? Then? Oh, very much so. It's it's more collaborative, and I'm always asking Martin, because he's such an experienced and wonderful musician, I'm asking him for advice, and how, how do you think we should do this, or what do you think we should, um, you know, how, how should we play this certain section? Does that feel right, like the right thing to yeah. do, or is that tempo, you know, so... We're, we're constantly, um, you know, checking those things uh, and having those discussions. Uh, but I just think that the um, familiarity that we've been able to build up working together a lot is, you know, that, that makes a really big difference. Yeah. But I'm also fascinated by uh, your relationships with other principal players in the orchestra and which ones of those you kind of find yourself um, interacting with uh, in the in the rehearsals and in the in the music making process as well, are there any sort of key positions that you find yourself really linked with? Yeah, I think it, it sort of changes. Depends on. Sometimes you've got to look over the celli. It's easy to see the cellos right there, right past, but um, then other times it's the violas. The seconds are so close that that we're sort of on one way. Um, we don't need to look at each other as much, and it's it's one big section some of the time. <laughs> That's the idea, but uh, it's hard to see over across to the bases. So you you sort of link to the cellos, who link to the bases directly, and um, you know there's this is sort of a, a web that goes through the orchestra of connections. And usually with the winds, you're looking over in the middle, where the leaders leadership happens, and everyone is around there focusing on on their leaders. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to think about and and, and, um, and sometimes if I think about it too much then I start wondering what the hell I'm doing but, yeah. but it's also how the orchestra sits and it's nice that we sit in the same way all the time I mean I've been orchestra, I've been in orchestras where we've always been every week is in a different setup and that's kind of very difficult to manage some of the strange configurations that people like I mean, it seems to me too that um, a part of the concert master job too is, is around people management and um, you know kind of that relationship management and, and, and developing that trust and so you can have some you know good free and frank conversations sometimes. Um, that must be interesting then in terms of I suppose the the sort of style or approach that you might take to sort of leadership. Then. I mean, do do you think does it vary between concert masters? Do yeah. concert masters do it in different ways? I'm sure that they do. There's not a big school where they all go and train and <laughs> come out the concert master school. I always before I I was ever a concert master, I always thought it was this catch twenty two that you can't get a job as a concert master until you've got some experience, but you can't get experience until you're a concert master. But but the way through is often actually the number two and the three jobs and. Or, or in starting in small orchestras and getting into bigger and bigger ones. But I mean, there's so many good players out there, and they've all got, you know, so much different experience or um, playing under their belt. There's, there's probably as many different styles as you could imagine. So, what makes yeah. a good concert master, then, in your opinion? <laughs> well, for, for me, the best ones are this, it's, where it's like a chamber group, and you you just got a big, a bigger chamber group, and the conductor is leading that group, and but everybody's listening at the same time, and not just relying on the conductor to cue everybody and get them all in the right place, because as we know, that's impossible. 
<laughs> that's not the job, really. So if everybody takes responsibility, like you do in a chamber group, for your own parts, then I think you have the ideal kind of platform for listening and blending and playing together. And, and those basic yeah. things are taken care of, which means the conductor can then do other things which are more interesting. Uh, but the one thing I would say, Martin, is that there's no one kind of concertmaster. Yeah. There are so many different kinds. And, uh, you know, I've never worked with a better concertmaster than Martin. And I think, oh, one of, well, it's true, but one of the reasons for that is that he's got a really great balance between uh, leading, and he has the full respect of the, the, um, the musicians in the orchestra, but he doesn't over-lead. And I find sometimes with other concertmasters I've worked with, they feel like they have to lead all the time because that's their job, they're the concertmaster. But what you end up ha- having sometimes is like a double impulse for leading you've got two people leading and sometimes in completely different ways and I remember, I can't remember, you probably know his name the older concertmaster of the Berlin Philharmonic for years and years who played with Carrion, he came out and did a masterclass uh, in Melbourne years ago and he was asked, you know, what's the secret of being a great concertmaster and he he kind of thought for a while and then he just said well, um, don't talk too much and only lead in the difficult places (laughs) That was his entire philosophy. That is so true. You know? Oh my god! Isn't yes. that interesting? But I, find, yeah. I feel like you actually really yeah. sort of have that as well, where he's there when you need him and very supportive for those other times. Yeah. It just is quite rare. Yes. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So, yeah. What happens then? I mean, are there situations when um, you know the concertmaster, the conductor, are coming from two different places? interpretation-wise or just in terms of style of work, does that happen? And what happens in those circumstances? What, what is the impact, I guess, on, on, the, on the music? You know, perhaps if it's not... If you're not... Oh, that, that, yeah, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> because the conductor comes with his own um, ideas, but Ben is always listening and adapting and will sometimes, you know, will change things in terms of what's possible tempo-wise or something during a week based on what, what he hears and that's, we get, you know, full respect from the players and, and a good result. I mean, I've sometimes had young conductors coming out of, I mean, yeah, I won't mention any names, but some very famous names and progeny of very famous names have come and said, this is how the second movement of the Sansa organ concerto goes and the winds have to go and they can't single time that or... Mm-hmm you know, make it even sound decent and he's like, nope, this is my tempo and he'll beat beat their heads till the end of the, <laughs> the week and we struggle through, but it's never so like that. So there's a bit of diplomacy <laughs> then, I guess, in those sort of situations. I mean, yes. is, there, is there yeah. an aspect of that in the concertmaster? Yeah, I know. A... Well, there's a famous story, not written down story, but a, an oral story of uh, a concertmaster of Chicago years ago who, when he was asked... Um, I mean, he didn't like the way that the conductor was going to do something. He'd say, would you like it like this? So this is how you'd like it? And he'd go... And then he'd say, we could possibly do it like this. And then he'd play some very beautiful thing. And the conductor would be just very distracted. And he'd be like, yes, yes, the second way. That's fine. (laughs) So he would try to manipulate the conductor that way. But I don't think that's, you know, that's not necessary. But there is a time and a place for that, though, isn't there? For the concertmaster to actually step up and... Yeah. fix problems when they're happening if a yeah. conductor is, is uh, you know, unable to 
or inexperienced or things like that, then the role of the concertmaster changes very quickly. Or if you've got a conductor who doesn't necessarily have a clear beat, people rely on the concertmaster a lot more in that in that yeah. instance, and the concertmaster steps up yeah. and you know has to play a different kind of role. Yeah. I think yeah. it's um, more like triage, really, than yeah. <laughs> but yes, you can you, you can be thrust into that situation. And that's, that's yeah. really yeah. part of the job, is that sort of intermediary between the conductor and the orchestra too, translating yeah. what the conductor is wanting or thinks they want, <laughs> and then smoothing that kind of communication with the orchestra, yeah. because at the end of the day, you've got to make it work, I think, yeah. as the concertmaster, and um, sometimes that's going to be harder than other times, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> But you know, no, a happy con- a happy concertmaster is when when he gets on with the conductor and um, and it really makes his job easy. And an unhappy concertmaster is when he's always having to <laughs> uh, struggle to to try to to connect with the conductor. Yeah, and the con- and yeah, I'm a happy concertmaster. It's so all I don't have that Honestly, and from a yeah. conductor's point of view, same. If it makes or breaks the re- the week, yeah. uh, the relationship, if. If this relationship between conductor and concertmaster feels natural, just even in terms of the way we think about the music or the way we start sounds and things, uh, it just makes all the difference. Mm. It's, it's a completely game-changing yeah. relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think too, you know, what what I observe as well between the the, the two of you. I mean, not only the um, obvious rapport and um, uh, both on a personal but a musical level, but also it's just the way you're, you're talking and thinking about the orchestra together. And I notice that you're, you're often speaking with each other a lot about different things going on in the orchestra, um, you know, and, and really looking into that. So it's more than just what's happening in the rehearsal as well. It feels like there's actually a sense between the two of you of also taking care of the whole orchestra and its future and its development and talking about ways to do that and, and, and keep that artistic growth going. Is that sort of um, also part of the role um, and, and the value that can come between a good partnership between your chief conductor and your, and your concertmaster? Well, I guess both of those roles are leadership roles in the organisation on an artistic level. It's about you know, monitoring how things are going in the orchestra all the time. I think probably the concertmaster is even more important in some ways in that in that way, just because generally speaking, the concertmaster will have more time that with the orchestra than the conductor have. But also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Martin, you kind of get a better sense of the internal machinations of the orchestra, yeah, the yeah. politics that are yeah, going on yeah. inside, because you're right at the coalface. Like it's different um, being on the podium you've got the bit of separation right. would you agree with that I don't know yeah yeah no I suppose that's that's absolutely true you hear um, all the things the conductor doesn't hear <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's all good it's, it's really it's all good but it's also the the assistant concertmaster role mm-hmm. is, is so important too and I was just thinking about how like when the concertmaster is playing and he's trying to listen across and I might be thinking about the horns or something at the back of the orchestra often the assistant will bring you back to something that's going on in the section right now that, <laughs> yeah. that or if, you know there's just a backup system for yeah. counting and uh, I would say like the, the associate and assistant concert masters they, they really just help anchor the first violin section whereas the concert master relies on that as well and sort of collaborates with that but also needs to be thinking and, you know, across the whole, the whole group just to assist the, the conductor so that's a really key thing too to, to make a concertmaster all work is to have and that's what we had so wonderful with Sarah um, just to have her support and she's always you know focusing on what's happening in the violins and 
and bowing things that go across the seconds and I might be thinking about some other things. It's, all, it's almost like different ways that people um, manage or think in, in bigger pictures or smaller pictures and mm. details or grand schemes and you have to go between all of those different things but to have a group of people to not miss any of the things yes, that, that yeah, need to not yeah, get missed yeah. is, is really the other thing important is yeah. of course we haven't spoken about is you have to play a lot of solos i mean oh, you know very true. that i remember somebody introducing the concert master of an orchestra it sort of jokingly is like you know this is the concert master they're the best violinist in the <laughs> orchestra and actually ideally that is absolutely the case they play the solos that are the most difficult yes. things to do yeah. and they're as martin is a concerto soloist anyway they have to be able to concentrate on those things and that's when i think the number two also takes over a leadership role even more but uh there's actually a lot of solos in the repertoire aren't there like there's yeah. some really big yeah, moments for concertmaster violin solos <laughs> okay. most most terrifying concertmaster uh, violin solo Sometimes the, the simplest sounding ones, that'll, you'd be play for an hour or something and then you'll have a, a three bar solo in the middle of a, even a small one in Scheherazade where you've got a bunch of other solos, it'll just be really difficult for some reason yeah. um, and to sound decent. Yeah, so solo you most like it's to switching. do? Most we'll like to do. I like the Strauss ones. I mean, I love. I did Hel- I did Hel- yeah. Heldon Leben. I really loved playing the they're solos in Heldon Leben. Great solos. <laughs> yeah. Big orchestra. Big budget. One I don't like is Strauss. Is the Blumen Bourgeois Gentilhomme. It's it's ah, oh, it's really difficult. I remember one of sort of jaw dropping experiences was just going on a Tuesday to New York Phil, and they were just. You know, popping off a concert and they threw in Bourgeois Gentilhomme in the middle of the week and the concert master Glenn Dictoreau just played that, that massive solo which is incredibly difficult and I was just oh my god it was perfect and it was amazing and yeah and it was a Tuesday afternoon <laughs> you know it's like okay you know that's that's the job you know <laughs> it's going to be concert master New York Phil you just pop those off but um, those are the ones we practice a lot as well the really difficult ones it's the ones that or modern new pieces that have solos in them that you've never been tried before, and nobody else has ever tried them, and those can be really difficult. <laughs> and balance, you know, balance. The, the solos for concertmaster are not always balanced the same way they would be in for a concerto. Yes. 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 Yeah, exactly. you've got a lot to work against. Yeah. So th- those can be difficult, but yeah, no, it, it, that's what keeps it interesting and fun. You know, to get to do that. But if if I'm sitting there and I'm I'm feeling like everyone out. A lot of other people could do a better job. I'll, I'll step back and did someone else do it because I don't, don't want to be in that situation. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think you've been a bit like... modest there and I hope yeah. we uh, keep you there yeah. for a long time well, here. Thank, but, thank um, you. Yeah, well, look, I think um, that's, you know, I, it's very interesting. We started off this conversation by talking about almost, you know, where, how concert masters evolved, the purpose then, and no doubt there's been a huge evolution as, as the orchestra has changed. But um, I think it's been really interesting just to actually get a, a better sense of actually many of the other aspects to the role that we don't always see as an audience goer um, sitting there, that there's a lot more that goes on behind the scene, in particular that, that relationship between conductor concert master. But, um, dear listeners, if you have any questions, of course, for Martin or for Ben, we'd love to hear from you. And so you can email them to us 
and um, we'd be very happy to um, answer those in subsequent um, episodes. So I guess we're just going to wind up now, um, just quickly with our uh, what's on your mind. So, uh, Ben, do you have anything on your mind you want to share with the listeners today? Oh, look, as usual, it's the pieces that I'm working on at the moment, and uh, Beethoven Eroica Symphony is coming up this week. I think today is the anniversary of the earthquakes in Christchurch. <clears throat> the resonance between Eroica being the first piece performed uh, by the orchestra after the quake and the anniversary seven years I think ago um, that's a very very powerful um, aligning of things and so the Eroica Symphony is the perfect piece to play this week so very very inspired by all of that oh great excellent Martin do you have any anything on your mind you want to sort of say apart from perhaps it's time for a second coffee uh, yeah, well, it might be. Um, <laughs> I normally never have anything on my mind. It's actually disturbing. Have you got anything on your mind? Actually, no. I don't. I should have. I should be much more interesting. We might be seeing the end of this. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it would have come with something planned. I think that's yeah. the And I should say, we just sprang this on Martin, so it's yeah, quite unfair, really. Oh, what can I share with it could you? Be anything. More than 10 it doesn't even have to be about music. It could be uh, just, you know, me. couldn't get a puck. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, I noticed today that Donald Trump uh, <laughs> has, has banned the use of these, these stock barrel things that make the guns fire uh, faster. It sounds like something that you do make yourself look good, but it doesn't really solve the problem. <laughs> but at least it's one step. I'm surprised that, yeah, well, maybe I'm not surprised that but he doesn't seem to be a person who does things to make himself look good in general, <laughs> except with, except with um, various um, factions. Well, he is so hoping to step in yeah, the right direction. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah there's, there's lots to be done there. But so yeah. I support that it's just the beginning of, of, of the sort of people being heard. Mm. So, yeah. I bet you're happy to be back in New Zealand. I am, and my like children that. are yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, happy to be going to schools in this totally. country. Yeah, but you feel for... For people, and you know, it's a massive country, the United States, but you still would always get the feeling that it could be your your child next, mm. and it, there's no, there's no. It's certainly enough to make you never want to move there, if, with with kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're very pleased to have you both down in some hemisphere, <laughs> anyway. So perhaps Happy America can here. keep its yeah. craziness because it might mean that we can also make sure that we have a, a really, really great legacy of, of wonderful musicians continuing to be living and working in this region. So uh, that's it from from me. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Thank Ben. You. Thank you, Gretchen. We'll be back for another one in the future. <laughs>